Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And this time, we're stronger with family. You know, with family, you don't even have to say they're your brother to be your brother. I feel like that's what he does. He's either... Okay, folks, in case you don't know, we are reviewing the one of many (laughs) Fast X... uh, which, We're reviewing the tenth entry into the, the Fast and Furious franchise. Fast yes, X. hence one of many. But technically, it, it, this franchise has an offshoot film. Probably is going to get more offshoots. I mean, my God, it's the most successful franchise outside of the Marvel franchise, if I'm not mistaken. Uh I know it's top five. I, I don't know if it's more successful than James Bond. Oh, well, that's true. And it's uh, probably not more successful than uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, no, actually, I think it's more successful than Mission Impossible. It's definitely really? like, yeah, it's definitely the big moneymaker for Universal. Wow. Damn. Yeah. I wonder when uh, Universal is going to have a Fast and Furious ride. You know they're going to do they it. They already have it. They do? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. The Fast and Furious. Yeah, it has these really stupid, like, Oh, so it's dumb. Poster, like, yeah, like, has this really stupid poster of Vin Diesel on top of a car that's in the air. It looks oh, so dumb. Oh, damn. That's a shame. I, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's what replaced, like, the... Was it what replaced the, the DeLorean ride, I think? That's a shame. That makes sense, though, because it's already... You've got, like, a car, you know, outfit going already. I Actually, now, now I'm curious. But that... The, the Back to the Future <laughs> ride which I only rode the one time it was uh, the first time I was there. It was the only time it was still around. That was okay. a great ride. Okay, so this is in – it's called uh, it's called Fast and Furious Supercharged. Of course. Uh, uh, the, uh, ho- the one in Hollywood opened in 2015. The one mm. in Florida opened in 2018. Mm. And uh, it has Ludacris and Jordana Brewster, who plays Mia, in the pre-show – Mm-hmm. And uh, the Florida version, the, 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 I actually maybe it didn't replace anything. Mm. Okay, so yeah, it didn't replace. It was. It's like a, it didn't replace anything, at, at least from what I can tell. In Florida, they just added something. Wait, to wait, it. no, no, no. Oh no, it did. It replaced. It replaced a ride called Disaster. Okay, I know. Okay, I remember that. So it's relatively new because Disaster was the one where you're on like a fake subway car and it would recreate a disaster. Like things would catch on fire and break yeah, apart. Yeah, and I the one the one in Hollywood replaced Cursed of the Mummy's Tomb. Really? Okay, because yeah. the Mummy's a great ride in Universal Florida, but oh Orlando. My God. Look at this poster. It looks so fucking stupid. Oh really? Okay, hold. On. You're gonna make me look this up, aren't you? <laughs> it's it's Vin Diesel hanging okay. off of a helicopter. It's like the worst poster I've ever seen. Oh it's my called God. what? It's Fast and Furious what? Supercharged. And Furious Supercharged. Oh no. No. Uh, oh my God. And- that's and, awful. And like the Fast and Furious franchise, it has a mixed reception. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. What? What? Oh my God! For those, for, for our listeners, what oh, can be said about the Fast and the Furious franchise that hasn't been said already? It's eternal at this point. Jesus. Um, 
Like, okay, it started in um, in 2001 with the original The Fast and the Furious, directed by uh, Rob Cohen. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, fun piece of trivia, I mean, you shouldn't be surprised considering it takes place in early 2000s or late late 90s, early 2000s L.A., but did you know one of the co-writers of the original Fast, The Fast and the Furious was a David Ayer? Did you know that? I, I did not know that. Um, I mean, that dude, dude it, takes place, it, it takes place in L.A. Like, are we really surprised? But I still am surprised because I didn't. <laughs> I, gee, okay. Okay. So, so, you know, The Fast and the Furious, the first one was basically a... That's might as well would have been, it should have been called by the way on the posters of that thing, Fast and the Furious, the first one. <laughs> um, so so basically, uh, it was an adaptation of a of a of a magazine article from Vibe called Racer X that was basically kind of like the mainstream introduction into street racing, you know, which was oh, kind I of a it, it, it was a niche uh, it was a niche hobby. That you saw in L.A., I believe Houston, um, basically anywhere where there was like a big car scene. It was niche where you would get these Japanese autos. You would soup them up with nitro and then you would street race them. Mm-hmm. And, and the writer, Ken Lee, basically wrote about wrote about this world. And uh, the, the a famous, well, not famous, but a producer named Rob Cohen read the article and was like, I want to make a movie about this. And he had to find a, he had to find a story to tell within this world, uh, teamed up with writers, uh, Gary Scott Thompson, Eric Berquist and David Ayer. And they created the fast and the furious, which is basically think point break, but in the world of street racing. Yeah. Uh, well, because they couldn't, they couldn't include the, so how do I put this? Um, a lot of street racing is a cover for various more nefarious affairs. We know this. Not, but plenty. Actually, what's interesting is there's almost two worlds of it now. There's the version of it where it's genuinely just about the cars and it's perfectly friendly. You know, they just race their cars around. And then there's the more underground version that still kind of exists where it's a cover for, you know, certain illicit activities, I guess you could say. But the fact that there is a now two separate versions of this is solely because of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah, I I would say that uh, a big thing about the original was that, yeah, it kind of brought you into the seedy world of street racing uh, through the eyes of Paul Walker's character, Brian O'Connor, who was this cop who was trying to become an FBI agent, you know, and and like in the plot of Point Break, he gets wrapped up into this crew by this very charismatic figure, Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel, uh, who was just coming off of, uh, he was just coming off of, of Saving Private Ryan. Um, Had he uh, done Pitch Black yet? No, he hadn't done Pitch Black yet. So that was afterwards, okay. Or, or maybe he did. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. When did he do Pitch Black? Was was Pitch Black in the? It was in the very early 2000s. I know that. Yeah. But um, couldn't. Either way, I know Pitch Black is how I was introduced to uh, Vin okay, Diesel. Okay. No, no, no. He did Pitch Black after he did uh, 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 the Fast and the Furious because uh, uh, actually no, he did. Uh, so he did Saving Private Ryan. Then he does the Iron Giant, and mm. but then the then his next two films are Boiler Room and Pitch Black. Boiler Room being being, you know, uh, uh, what's his face? Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, 
uh, I think, uh, what's his face? Um, God, do you remember a movie called That Thing You Do? I've never seen it, but I know, I know, I know of it. Okay, Ben Affleck's also in this movie. It, it was basically like the first adaptation of what happened in. Uh, oh, is in, this uh, like the? I think I saw the. Is this the one where they're stealing money from people, but like trying to invest it, but not really investing no, it? So, so basically, it was the first adaptation of the of the of what happened in what we see in a more famous movie called The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Okay, but told from the point of view of like the the the, the lowest rung. Uh, uh, sellers of that of that firm, mm-hmm. um, but then Pitch Black is his first starring role. But you know, Pitch Black, I, I don't believe was that um, was that uh, uh, successful. Uh, successful, yeah. No, it wasn't. I just have a very oddly personal connection to it. But so yes, the Fast and, the Fast and the Furious was the movie that made him a leading man. Yes, um, and you know, so, but yeah, it's a send up to Point Break. Uh, Paul Walker falls in love with uh, Mia, the, 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 the sister of Dominic. Mia played by uh, Jordana Brewster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lo- it, the funny thing is that the, the whole point that he's like undercover is to trying to figure out if this street racing crew are like, like these thieves who are hijacking and robbing these, uh, these semi-trailers of, of all things dvd players combo tv vcr players like mm-hmm. like just this s- standard audio video tech like that's what the first movie was about it's crazy to think about after everything that's happened yeah where <laughs> we are now and where they were then it's it's yeah absolutely it it oh god well okay. we'll get to that we'll get so to that. so you know the movie was a big hit uh, jump started huge. Vin Diesel's huge hits. Jump started Vin Diesel's uh, career. Vin Diesel decide. Vin Diesel and Rob Cohen decide to do something bigger and better. Triple X. Uh, Paul Walker is brought back for the sequel. He's the only one who comes back. Uh, yeah. Called Too Fast, Too Furious. And in this one, he's teamed up because again, Vin Diesel wasn't doing it. He teams up with. Uh, 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 this character, Roman Pierce, a uh, character from uh, a, a person from his past, from his childhood, played by Tyrese Gibson. This movie is directed by uh, 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 John Singleton, and he had just worked with uh, Tyrese Gibson on Baby Boy. So he brings mm-hmm. him in to do Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, this movie kind of ups the stakes. Now they're trying to like fight a crime lord, a drug cartel lord, right? Mm-hmm. And this drug cartel lore, like sponsors these races, and that's that's how they tie in racing with this. Okay, fine, whatever. Is this also when Ludacris comes into the picture? This is also when Ludacris comes into the picture, except he's not playing like a tech guy. He's playing like the the master of ceremonies of these street races sponsored by uh, this drug lord. And um, what's her face? Uh, 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 Ryan Gosling's wife's also in this. She's like the love interest in this one. Huh. Um, what's her name? Um, oh God, I forget her name. Oh, Blake Lively. No, first of oh, all, she's married. Ryan. She's married to Ryan Reynolds. I'm talking about Ryan Gosling. Oh, uh, Ryan Gosling. Jesus. Eva um, Mendez. Eva Mendez. Yes. All right. So too fast, too furious again does well, you know, definitely not as much as the previous one. Cause Vin Diesel's not in it. He's doing triple X. <laughs> and, uh, then we get, uh, three years past. And finally we get into kind of like who would be considered the mastermind of of this uh, franchise? Uh, Justin Lin, coming off of 
of an indie film called oh god what was the name of this indie film um it, it was the one uh oh my god I'm, I'm blanking on this name uh it was like his directorial debut mm. uh better luck tomorrow right no. better luck tomorrow so this filmmaker justin ling coming off of his indie debut called better luck tomorrow where it's about like these uh these asian american overachievers who like become like thieves and stuff um, it's ironically enough, it's the movie that introduces the character of Han played by Sung Kang. Um, so, you know, does really well, gets him the gig to do the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Now, what else should be noted? This was the first movie direct or written by Chris Morgan, who would become like the narrative architect of this whole franchise. So Justin Lin, Chris Morgan sign on to do Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Um, and the, the intention was that this was going to be kind of going back into really diving into like the whole Asian automo Japanese automobile subculture of street racing. In fact, it was going to be in Tokyo, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Paul Walker doesn't want to come back. He wants to do other things. Uh, so now they got to find a new lead. Uh, Lucas Black is hired to be the lead. This is the one with Bow Wow. And again... <laughs> uh, Justin Lin uh, kind of like transfers a character from his f debut film, Better Luck Tomorrow, uh, Han, into this one to be kind of like the mentor of this of this young group. Um, again, because it doesn't have Paul Walker, doesn't have Vin Diesel. The movie does okay, um, but it's not like... For the like, record, Vin Diesel does a tiny cameo at the very end, well, but it doesn't I gonna, count. I was oh, going to get sorry. to that. So, you know... The movie, the movie tests well, but you know, it's like, okay, this is going to do, this is going to do gangbusters. So Universal goes to Vin Diesel and says, Vin, what do we have to do to get you to make this movie? And Vin Diesel was in the middle of shooting Babylon, which was going to be a, let's just say it was going to be a big bomb. And he had just, he, the Chronicles of Riddick had just been released a couple years back and that was the bomb. So mm -hmm. Vin Diesel, you know, trying to save face and not crawling back into the franchise that made him a star goes, make me a producer on these movies and I'll come back. And they're like, great. And in order to kind of establish that if there's a next one, it will have Dominic Toretto in it. Vin Diesel has a cameo at the very, very end. Mm, okay. And I didn't know that was the reasoning actually. Yeah. Yeah. He, he signed a deal. Uh, they, they were going to, all, all Fast and Furious going forward was going to have Vin Diesel as the as a producer. Mm -hmm. All right. So Justin Lin returns to as the director's chair. Chris Morgan writes the next one. Fast and Furious, 2009. This is the one where uh, Vin Diesel returns. This is the one where uh, Michelle Rodriguez returns. Uh, Jordana Brewster returns. Paul Walker returns. The original crew is back. So for a lot of people... Fast and Furious is the true sequel to the original, the the Fast and the Furious. You know, the franchise almost treats it that way in in, yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. So uh, this one comes back. Uh, the big the big thing in this one is that uh, after they're introduced as being like hijackers stealing like gasoline trucks in the Dominican Republic, which has cameos from Sung Sung Kang as Han and some reggaeton singers as like. I forget their names. Um, uh, what, what are they called? Uh, uh, oh shit, 
I don't remember their names. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. It, it, I know. I know the guys are called Tego Calderon and Don Omar. Oh, Leo and Santos, right? Leo and Santos. They're all in like the. They're all like in the prologue. Uh, they're all introduced. Uh, we see that Dominic has been living and stealing in, in Dominican Republic. But the big twist in this one is that uh, uh, Letty, Michelle Rodriguez's character, dies. She dies. Dominic wants revenge, and in the meantime. Paul Walker tries to reconnect with Dominic and Mia in order to figure out, in order to stop this cartel lord who is also responsible for, for Letty's death. All right. So Fast and Furious does not get good reviews. Uh, so the charisma that Vin Diesel had was not in that one. Um, and people were like, oh, uh, uh, I guess this is that, that's the end of the franchise. Okay, we're done. Um, all right. So. Franchise isn't doing so well. Uh, the Fast and Furious made money, but it was like critically lambasted. Justin Lin and Chris Morgan are trying to figure out, okay, there's only so much racing we can do. We need to figure out something else with, with the next installment, uh, with the fifth installment. And they come up with the idea of, okay, it's going to be a heist movie. We're going to get characters from all four free previous entries, and we're going to have them like plan a heist where are we going to have them plan the heist? Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Great. Oh, and on top of that, we're going to have a cop who's trying to chase them. We're going to have like like a cop. Like the, the big twist in this one is that it's not Brian O'Connor chasing them. Brian O'Connor is part of the crew now. It's going to be a cop. And you know what? Let's get The Rock because The Rock's the Rock's kind of the new, the new cool thing he was, this time. He was the hot shit. Yeah, he was the hot shit. So this leads to Fast Five, which for many... If it's not the best one, it's the second best one. Yeah. And Fast Five, what it had going for it was that it was a really tight heist movie with crazy practical car stunts, which was great. The The last stunt is like a lot of CGI, but still the cars themselves are real, right? The bad guy was someone who you wanted to hate. And you know what? It was just cool. Dominic Toretto was cool, you know? The Rock was cool. Seeing Vin Diesel and The Rock fight each other was cool. This movie was oozing of coolness and slight ridiculousness. It was great. And Fast Five is the first Fast and Furious movies to be rated uh, uh, fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Not even the first one was? No, not even the first one was. Oh. Uh, but Fast Five gets the highest reviews. And all the critics love it. And it was the smash hit of 2011. Like it wasn't Thor, it wasn't Captain America, it was literally Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, uh, then followed by uh, Transformers: Dark of the Moon, and then like a distant third, it was uh, Fast Five. But Fa being a distant third between those juggernauts was still very impressive. Yeah, so that movie made bank. So the 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 franchise is revitalized. Universal realizes they have something that can compete with uh, Disney's Marvel and Paramount's Transformers and uh, Warner Brothers' DC stuff, they were like, oh my God, we got something. Guys, we got something. They're just as surprised as we are. <laughs> right? So so Justin Lin and Chris Morgan come back for Fa Fast and Furious 6, right? Mm -hmm. They come back for this one, and now the, the idea is like, okay, we did, we did a really good heist movie. What are we going to do to up the ante this time? <laughs> and this is where... This is where things changed. This is where the new reputation of Fast and Furious began. Right? This time... Um, so, the 
Fast Five had a post-credit sequence that a lot of people weren't aware of. The post-credit sequence was that, surprise, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Letty, was alive. And now the trick was, okay, we just brought someone back from the dead. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do now? And what Chris Morgan and Justin Lin came up with was that Letty was part of a internationally wanted mercenary team led by uh led by uh what's his face luke um uh luke uh what was his name what the actor's name um british actor uh, oh um luke evans led by luke evans right that she was part of this mercenary team that weren't just regular mercenaries there were mercenaries who did all their like all their operations in cars in these super like militarized souped up fast cars so the rock goes to vin diesel's dominic toretto and says the u the interpol the the the, the good guys <laughs> want to use part. you guys. To, <laughs> the, the governments of the world want to use you guys to use your crazy car driving skills to fight these mercenaries who drive really fast. Oh my God. That's. And there uh... is a line. There is a line in the film where I believe it's uh, Tyrese Gibson's character, Roman, goes. This is militar. This is militarized car fare. If I remember, so, I just want to point out that that's like if Point Break had gotten to this point because you know you were saying that the first Fast and the Furious was based on Point Break in a, in a way, which makes sense. That'd be like they hire these surfers to fight another group of surfers who happens to be a- like internationally wanted mercenaries who are blowing up city blocks. With their surfboards. With their surfboards, they're riding through. Just understand that that's what this is. How crazy this sounds at this point. Right? All right. So, what is Fast and Furious 6 most infamous or famous for? It's famous for uh, the the climax happens. The mercenaries led by Luke Evans are are trying to uh, take off in a plane. Right? And... Dom and his crew, his family crew, are chasing after them in their fast, fast cars, right? And in their fast, fast cars, they're on the runway. And that airplane runway lasts for, like, maybe 100 miles. Oh, I've heard about this. It just keeps going on It kept going and going. Like, the plane's not taking off. It just keeps going and going and going. And everyone was like, wow, this is the world's longest (laughs) airplane runway. Exactly. Um... So that was the movie's most famous for. Uh, it's also the movie where they killed off Gal Gadot's character. Oh, setting right. up, she was in this. Yeah, setting up for uh, Han. Because in Fast Five, Han and Gal Gadot start dating. Of and course. their whole thing is like, we want to go to Tokyo. Well, she dies. She tells him to continue on without her. And he's like, I guess I'm going to go to Tokyo. Spoiler alert for those that didn't know. In, in Tokyo Drift, he dies. <laughs> So yeah. up until this point, <laughs> Fast oh, and Furious. That's, that's another thing. These have all been taking place before the third one. The third one, somehow. Somehow, right? They they yeah. fit all this shit happening before Tokyo Drift. Okay, whatever. Got it. All right. So, uh, movie makes a lot of money. Why? Because the stinger in this one is 
that Jason Statham somehow was the one responsible for Han dying. He sure. calls Vin Diesel's character and goes, Dominic Toretto, you don't know me. You're about to. And everybody lost their shit. Ah! Right? They're like, oh my God, Jason Statham's going to be in the next one. We have to watch it. They had already, they were like, like Jason Statham. like out the yeah. ass. Jason Statham was like such a wishless actor to be in this franchise, starting with Fast Five, that when he finally arrived, everyone was like, okay, well, Furious, Fast and Furious 7 is going to be the shit to watch. Um, but some things happened. First of all, was that Justin Lin was kind of getting tired. He had he had made up until that point uh, one, two, three, four, four Fast and Furious movies. That's a lot of that's a lot of Fast and Furious. That's a lot of Dominic Toretto. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of Vin Diesel telling you to take this seriously like a family. Like yeah. you can only take so much. And Paramount was like, "Hey, J.J. Uh, Abrams wants to know if you want to make the next Star Trek," and he's like, "I'll I'll take it." Yeah, um, please. So they hire, so now Universal hires James Wan, who up until that point was known for uh, Insidious, The First Saw, uh, Dead Silence, and uh, The Conjuring. He was known for horror. He signs up to do Furious 7. And surprisingly enough, is also signs on to do Aquaman after he finishes Furious 7. Which is pretty insane when you, like, impressive, yes, but also insane. So, So here's some things that changed. So Chris Morgan still is still writing this next entry. Um, he's still writing this next entry. Uh, and, he, you know, you, you got to keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So Furious 7 starts having set pieces that are just impossible to do practically. Mm-hmm. So James Wan makes the executive decision as the director that, you know what, we're going to add. Justin Lin had tried to avoid this as much as possible. He says, you know what, we're going to we're not going to do as many practical car stunts. Because they're like the stuff they're asking us to do is just not possible. Mm-hmm. So Fury, so Furious Seven is where we start seeing the the CGI creep in this franchise, which up until that point was known for like, dude, the stunts are crazy. They're they're practical car stunts. Now yeah. they're they're much more heavy on the CGI. Uh, so that's the first. That's the other big change that came with James Wan signing on as a director. And then tragically, during production of Furious Seven. Uh, Paul Walker was um, was not was basically on leave from the production and he was in a car accident in his Porsche and and died. So now the whole thing was up in the air. Are we going to continue this? Like this is literally the co-lead. What are we going to do? And folks, it was a very famous story when all this happened. We all know. We all know what happened. They continued on with making of the movie. They hired they, his brother. And they hired his brothers to be to be stand-ins and, and they CGI'd did CGI. his face. Yep, because they they had just achieved this with uh, Hunger Games for um, Philip Seymour oh Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. And here's the thing, that it it, sh- it was effective when used minimally. It was effective. Yeah. At the time, so, so they thought they could make it work. So Chris Morgan rewrites it. There's this whole now meta narrative about this is going to be the last time we see Brian O'Connor. This is the last time we're going to see Paul Walker. And, you know, credit to James Wan. He was able to balance the outrageousness of of Furious 7 with the very heartfelt meta narrative of like, hey, this is going to be the last time we see Paul Walker. Yeah. And 
the movie did gangbusters. One of the things most people talk about is that ending of Furious 7. And that, that song that went with that. That made a singer famous. Yeah, that song, no joke. People were sobbing at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right? They were sobbing. And this is where I come in and I'm like, I'm hearing people going like, dude, Furious 7. You, like, the Fast and Furious went crazy. But, like, it's so heartfelt. And I'm like, oh, I, I guess I need to watch it. And this is when I started watching the Fast and Furious movies. In fact, I was with my room, my housemate at the time. And he says, yeah, everyone says Furious 7 is so heartfelt. Do you want to watch it? I was like, well, let me watch, let me watch all the, the period, previous six. And I was just shocked at how it kept escalating, getting more and more ridiculous. So, uh, Furious 7, Gangbusters, James Wan goes on to do Aquaman. There's obviously going to be an eighth one now. There's going to be an eighth and a ninth one. We know this for a fact. Yeah. They've been, they were based on the box office of Furious 7, the ninth and the eighth and ninth were locked automatically. Exactly. Uh, so James Wan, James Wan's not returning because he's working on Aquaman. Uh, they need to find a new director. Uh, Jason Statham recommends a director he worked with earlier in his career, a guy who was also coming off some great reviews over his movie that had come out that same year as Furious 7, Gary F. Gray, who had just worked on Straight Outta Compton. Mm -hmm. So Gary F. Gray had the choice of either working on, he was offered, from, from what I understand, he was offered Fury F8, or what would be known as Fate of the Furious, but rumor was he was also offered uh, Black Panther. And... I don't know why he decided to do this this movie. Uh, he brings in Charlize Theron as the new bad guy, the new big bad guy, and Fate of the Furious goes even bigger than before. Now it goes a, crazy. Now there's, there's a, a nuclear submarine. Now uh, there's cars that drive themselves. There's, they're in Antarctica. Yeah, there. This is this is when we get to Mission Impossible levels. No, not, well, well, we were kind of Mission Impossible levels with Furious Six and Seven, but this is the one where it's like it kind of goes over Mission Impossible because now we're driving muscle cars in Antarctica. And say what you will about Mission Impossible, you will not see muscle cars in fucking Antarctica. No, it does. It's not a thing. The um no. The CGI is much more prevalent. In fact, that's one of the things people don't like about the movie. Uh, people were offended by Charlize Theron's character having uh, uh, dreads, which, okay, I guess. Um, well, wasn't the other big thing... Wait, when did this happen? Where, turns out, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel don't like working this together. Is fate, this is Fate of the Furious. This, uh, okay, this is this okay, I was just wondering this when is this all, happened. So, also during production of this... The Rock and Vin Diesel, who had butted heads before because there was this passive aggressiveness between the two of them because they both had it in their contract that they could not lose a fight. Uh, <laughs> so they could not lose a fight, and they always had to have the most punches. So one or the other was always looking like the the, the, the better, like, quote-unquote hero, right? Yeah. Um, listen, say what you will about The Rock, but his presence did revitalize the franchise and made it the cultural juggernaut it was. But Vin Diesel was the lead. Yeah. So and anyway, attached came, producer. This, That's this, the difference. This came. Yeah. And he's the producer. This came to a head. It got so bad that they refused to shoot scenes together. So all their scenes were now edited with stand-ins between the two of them. And you can tell. You can tell. It's really obvious. And, you know, Fate of the Furious got so ridiculous that people were kind of like, okay, this, this, this went too far. I mean, but here's the thing. It went ridiculous, but something else happened. Uh, 
Vin Diesel's performance was always very played very, very straight. And without Paul Walker there to have him not be like hero mode, brooding hero yeah. mode. Because when he when he when when Dom and Brian were together, Dom was acting like a friend. You know, he was he was with his friend, his best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a chemistry there that that worked. That's what made people love these movies. But without Paul Walker there, well, let's just say that uh, things changed. Things changed, and uh, now uh, now uh, uh, Dom was brooding all the time, and. When you have a movie that's literally about muscle cars in Antarctica being chased by a nuclear submarine, where everyone else is like, okay, this is so ridiculous. We got to wink at the camera and wink at the audience and kind of go with the humor of it all. You have that mixed in with a guy who's so brooding and playing it so straight that it comes off as hilarious. Now, Fate of the Furious is getting this reputation of being like, oh, the movie's not great, but it's kind of in that it's so bad it's good territory. Yeah. And, and, you know, the movie made money. The movie made money, and they were like, okay, we're going to make the ninth one. Because they already signed on to it. They make, Actors they make, were already getting paid. They make the ninth one. In this one, we meet Dom's long-lost brother. Right? Apparently. Apparently. Played by John <laughs> Cena. Played by John Cena. Yeah. Which I need to add one thing. A very good friend of mine likes to call this one Fanine. Because it's F9, so I will be referring to this one as F9 as well. Okay, so John Cena is introduced as Dom's long-lost brother. Because uh, reasons. F9 is, again, sees the return of Justin Lin. Justin Lin goes like, I'm going to direct this one, and I'm going to direct the 10th one. F9 is where the meme of, like, oh, Fast and Furious is just going to keep going until they take a car into outer space. Well, guess what's happens in F9? <laughs> a car gets into outer space. Or very close to outer space, I think was the thing. Right? So, yes. No, no, they're literally in outer space on a satellite. Oh, okay. Uh, did and, and you would think like, oh, it's Dom in outer space. No, 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 no. It's uh, Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris. They're the oh, ones yeah. in outer space. Um, so some behind-the-scenes drama in this one. This is the first one not to feature Dwayne Johnson since since Fast Five. In fact, him and uh, him and Jason Statham had done a spinoff the year before called The Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, directed by one of the guys who did uh, who did John Wick. That movie did really, really well. Mm-hmm. That movie did really, really well. And uh, Vin Diesel was so pissed about it that that uh, The Rock was no longer under his producer thumb that he made sure that The Rock would not be in F9, that The Rock or Jason Statham would not be in F9. Um, Little did he know how important it was to keep them. Yeah, F9, now people are just laughing at, at the whole thing because, yeah. A, okay, so here's, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing you guys should know. Uh, Vin Diesel sometimes can't get out of his own way. And somehow he decided that F9 was the one where we were going to see uh, Dom's backstory. Like, like we, we hear him tell the backstory all the way back into the first one, The Fast and the Furious. But in this one, we're going to see it, right? So they get these young actors to play young versions of Dom, of Mia, of, of the old crew, of, of Dom's unknown brother, Jacob. And it, it's this whole thing. Right. We see how like 
we see how like stoic and amazing Dom was as a child and how like it was the love of his father that led him being in prison. Um, but the, the big thing everyone was like, so like dumbfounded on was that this F nine more than any of the other movies, there were always just people talking about like, Oh, how great Dom is. Oh, Dom is the best. Dom is, Oh, Dom is like the, the best of the best. Oh, the whole plot is literally Jacob is resentful because he's always under Dom's shadow. <laughs> so it's so much ass kissing of Vin Diesel's character that people couldn't help but laugh because guess what? Everyone else is having fun with the silliness of the movie. He's still playing it straight. So yeah. the movie did make money, was not very well received. A big part of it was that people were saying Vin Diesel doesn't seem to know what type of movie he's in. I mean, it's still funny because you're like, this guy's playing it serious in something that's just so ridiculous. And that's funny in its own way, but it's still not what the, what we expect the movie to be. And that leads us here. So fast X. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, all you need to know about fast X was that three days into production, Justin Lin was like, I can't do this anymore. And he quit. Justin he Lin was quits. He was done. He was done. What what made it even more? I like that was, it was three days. Like it took three days, and he's like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Um, da, 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 da. give me, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it took three days. Uh, they hire uh, kind of um, he's he's kind of he's kind of like a a journeyman director, Louis Leterrier, French director. Worked with Jason Statham in the transport. He was the one who directed the trans, the first two transporter movies. Oh, those are fun. Those are yeah, fun. I believe he. Di- no, no, that wasn't him. But uh, he helped. He helped like. He helped like do the action scenes for a lot of French action movies. Um, he's also known as the guy who did the Incredible Hulk movie, the second MCU movie ever made. Great movie. Uh, uh, he, you know, and ironically enough. When he signed on to do the project, he told Kevin Feige, hey, I think Mark Ruffalo would make a great Bruce Banner. And Kevin Feige told him, well, we kind of really had our eyes on Ed Norton. So, you know, he planted that egg of get Mark Ruffalo to be to be the Hulk uh, to Kevin Feige after Ed Norton dropped out. Mm -hmm. All right. So Louis Leterrier signs on. Uh, they hire uh, they hire some new screenwriters to rewrite the movie. They hire uh, Oren U- Uziel, who helped co-write um, the, uh, the the two Twenty One Jump Street movies, and Christina Hodson is known for writing Bumblebee, also Birds of Prey. <laughs> hey, uh, Bumblebee was good. I like. Yeah, that. Bumblebee was great. Bumblebee was great. All right. And uh, yeah, uh, Jason Momoa signed on to be the bad guy. Brie Larson signed on to do to work to do a supporting role. So did uh, Alan Richson, who, for those that don't know, plays Jack Reacher in the TV show. He's Thad Castle for those of us who grew up watching Blue Mountain State. And uh, and um, we also got uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Daniela Melt. Melkor? Melchor? I do not know. The, 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 the girl who played Ratcatcher in James Gunn's uh, uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. Yeah, Daniela Mel- Melchior. Yeah, 
she signs on this too. Uh, Rita Moreno signs on to play uh, Dom and Mia's grandma. Ugh. Sure. A lot of people signed on. Uh, all the, right. Oh, um, we also got um, what's her name? Uh, who played Jason Statham's mom? Uh, oh well, Helen Mirren came on since uh, Fate of the Furious. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she's been go. in there since Fate of the Furious. All right, so that's the history lesson of uh, Fast and Furious. It's exhausting, folks. Exhausting. So now we're going to watch a trailer. Oh goodness. We're gonna watch a trailer and then we're going to give our review. Let's How's that do sound it. Say? For family. I know that this road has been very hard and yet here you are building this magnificent family what's going on in that head of yours something little piece of it is said dad they're not afraid of anything but i am I'm afraid of losing someone i love dominic toretto you're about to learn all about fear you built such a beautiful life filled with love and family I never got that chance you stole that from me my future my family and now I'm gonna break yours piece by piece He's coming for you with everything. What's the plan, Dom? I'm not sure anymore. One of us might not come back from this. But we have to fight. Never accept death when suffering is owed. It's a setup. He's trying to tear us apart. Winning used to be about winning. We raced for respect. Today, I raced to stop the bloodbath. That's the problem with having such a big family. How do you choose the ones you save? Let's race! You still know how to drive? What do you think? It's showtime. Here we go! Game recognizes game.
You gotta be kidding me. Funniest trailer of the year, for the record. <laughs> Every time. So, as we've said before, folks, Al and I, when we go see these movies, we start to recognize the trailers. And this is the trailer that after, not even after the first time, every time I'd see it, I'd laugh. Because I just knew this wasn't even ha the half of what we were going to see. Like the half of the insanity by any stretch of the imagination. And guess what? I was right. God. Absolute nut job of a franchise. So, how do you want to do about, go about this, Al? I, okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Of the jury. The, of the jury. The court, uh, the prosecution, the state would like to present. <laughs> the first piece of evidence is that uh, Jason Momoa is quite frankly the reason you should see this movie. I, you know what? I, I gotta admit, yeah, Jason Momoa has, he, looking at his career, he is very good at knowing what he needs to be in a movie. Like many actors, obviously. That's, that's clear. But with this, he fully under, like, his villain character fully embodies and embraces the insanity that this franchise has reached and just rides along with it. Like he decided, you know what? I'm going to be Joker, Hulk Hogan, and oh, Joker by way of Hulk Hogan. Yes. Joker by way of Hulk Hogan. And you're going to like it. Like that's what this was. He's Joker by way of Hulk Hogan, but dressed like, um, <laughs> Dressed like a Zoomer, like a boomer dressed like a Zoomer. Yeah, yeah, almost. Um, okay, so, so, okay. So, and, and this isn't a spoiler. This is revealed in the trailer. This is also revealed, like, literally the first two minutes of the movie. Yeah. Jason Momoa plays this, this, this bad guy named Dante. Now, who's Dante? Turns out Dante is the only son of the bad guy from Fast Five, which everyone considers the best one. And that's why they guy, tied this in. And everyone is like, oh, that bad guy was one of the better highlights. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. The bad guys in the Fast and the Furious up until this point were either irrelevant to kind of the whole point of you watching this movie mm -hmm. or they were like kind of cringy. Like, listen, Charlize Theron's trying her best, but her being like this cyber hacker thing was like a little cringy. Up until that point, everyone was like, oh, okay, the bad guys from Fast Five and Fast and Furious 6 are the best ones. Charlize Theron's trying, but it's just not really working. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, no one really believed that that uh, that Jacob was going to stay a bad guy throughout F9. Even in the trailers where I was watching F9, I'm like, no, he's going to turn good so fast. But, but point, point being, there had never been a bad guy that you're like, man. Like, like the bad guys were never the highlight of the movie. It was I always just, the set pieces. I just like that literally Jason Momoa puts uh, 
or his character puts uh, Vin Diesel, Dom, he puts Dom through the trolley problem, literally. <laughs> like, he puts him through that, which, like, I would have never imagined that Fast and Furious would have been so gutsy but, to but, do that. But, you know, but it works. Do you know what's it's great? A weird way. That trailer, which was the trailer that was always playing, everyone was sick of it. In fact, none of the trailers ever even ever even gave you the idea because that that Jason Momoa's bad guy was going to be so campy, funny and really, really just like kind of kind of the 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 center of the party. Right. Like the highlight of the part. Like he's he's so funny. Like the character is so funny in a really fucked up, messed up way. Like and the other thing is, too, is that like the way they present him in the trailer, you think, oh, Jason Momoa is going to be this this ripped tough guy who's going to go head to head with Dom like Jason Statham did, like The Rock did. Uh, but no, he really he really is the the Joker, you know, like, yeah, he's strong and buff and knows how knows how to handle himself in a fight. But like Dom gives him a good beating and Jason Momoa doesn't fight back. Instead, he just laughs just like the Joker. Yeah. Right. And and listen, Heath Ledger's Joker is one of the greatest performances ever put onto celluloid. No, straight yeah. up. And yeah. we're not saying that Jason Momoa's Dante is anywhere close to that. No, no, we're, no, we're not. We're, but we, the vibe is there, though. The, you know what? He he does Joker things, but he has that vibe, but more campy of uh, uh, of what's his face of Silva from from Skyfall. Javier Bardem Silva, you know, he was also really yeah. campy, you know, yeah. he was campy and he knew it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's mixtures. It's like Jason Momoa saw Skyfall and the dark Knight, and then some movie and then his Netflix movie where he's dressed like literally uh, with colorful stuff from the, the slumberland movie slumberland. Yeah. And he goes yeah. like, I'm going to include all these things into Dante and it works. It really does work. It does. Um, but only here's the thing. Only in this movie. This would <laughs> never work. Only in this movie and because Jason Momoa, more so than anyone else in this cast, in the history of this franchise, he knows what this franchise is. It's these. It's this crazy, over-the-top, campy action movie where everything is silly and stupid and nothing makes sense. And he's totally leaning into it. Like, no, he's not leaning into it. He's diving headfirst into that. Like, listen... Ty Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, uh, uh, John Cena in this in this installment, uh, uh, they and and, and some, on some level Jason Statham and The Rock in their entries, they know what this movie is, mm -hmm. and they lean into the camp. You know they don't play this seriously, and the movie works for it. Works well with them in it doing that. But Jason Momoa is like, no guys, no guys, don't don't lean in, jump head first. This is stupid. This is stupid, and I'm going to be stupid in the best way possible, and it works. It yeah. works. All the laughs in the most of the laughs in my theater came from Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is, you know, it's crazy that this movie comes out, and you know what trends? Jason Momoa. Yep. You know what everyone's saying is that you need to see this because of Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is now the most iconic Fast and Furious villain. Like, he curb-stomped everyone else. Well, he's the only one you now think of, because in the, all the other movies, you don't even... Like, truly, prior to this, it's like, I knew Charlize Theron was in 
one of them as the villain, but I but, didn't, but, I couldn't tell you anything about her. But people know, like she was, she was kind of a weak bad guy. She's like, yeah, she's a, she's a hacker, but she's not, she's not that great. Uh, and yeah, everyone's like, oh, Luke Evans, because he was the bad guy that was like, like, oh, he's like, he's like this mercenary type deal. And Jason Statham, because he's Jason Statham. But you know. It's just, it's the, but it's not the same though. It's, it's kind of same. like it's not yeah. the same. It's not the same. So yeah, folks, if you have an inkling to watch, listen. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh yeah, the stunts, the, the special effects. No, it's still like like now. If Dude, you, they turned Rome into a, um, a uh, oh my god, ping a, ball uh, machine, ping ball, a ping pong machine, a ping yeah, a ping ball pin, machine, pin ball machine, pin ball, Jesus, a pinball machine, literally. And I'm watching this happen, and I'm like, you know what? I feel this was the this is where we were go heading all along, and they're gonna convince me of it too. Like, listen. Listen, say what you will. But what saves that ridiculous scene is when uh, when Jason Momoa's character goes, we're going to blow up the Vatican. Okay. You guys are going to hell. Like, that's... And then he's the... But he, the joke is that he's the one orchestrating it. And he's like, the one that's, who's going to detonate it. He's the one who's... Like, that's... You watch it, and it's like, oh, that's him understanding what this is. It's exactly. Like, oh, you guys are going to hell. It's like... Yeah. So, so listen... Say what you will about the first six entries. At the very least, like the selling point was like the practical car stunts, the practical yeah. car races. That's gone now. Oh, like 100%. everything, everything's now CGI. I would not be surprised if we never saw a car actually move, actually drive, <laughs> like while they were shooting this. No, no, no. Listen, yeah. listen. I know somebody who worked on on Fate of the Furious, and mm-hmm. they pretty much told me that, like, yeah, no, it was like. The only time we saw practical, like actual real life cars, was when they were blowing them up in front of a green screen for 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 like these slates. <clears throat> and what a slate is is like you shoot something, and it's basically the raw camera footage that uh, that uh, uh, CGI artists are going, that visual effects artists are going to you know put the effects over. <clears throat> and that's the only time they seem to really use like like actual practical vehicles. Uh, mm-hmm. Never for like the driving scenes like we saw in the first six, especially in the first three. Where was the scene in Cuba? Which movie was that? That's uh, Fate of the Furious. Okay, so they didn't even use practical for that. Oh no, dude, come on! Because I really? know wasn't wasn't their whole thing like they shot in Cuba? Like that they was shot the in game? Cuba, but that race those watch those cars again. They're not real. They're oh, okay. especially the one that like burns burns itself. That's not mm-hmm. real. None of that's real. And in this one, it's that same case. None of nothing's real. I, I think the only time we see something real is probably the, like not the racing cars, but probably like the big like the big trucks and uh, uh, Michelle Rodriguez on a motorcycle. I but think, even then, even then, like you can tell like all the crazy stuff she does in the motorcycle. That's all CGI. That's well, not that's a stunt the, woman in a car so in, a, that in a motorcycle. The one real stunt that you saw was like the coolest. And it's where she hops over the grate using the two back and front wheel. Uh, I don't that think that's w- real. I thought that was real. I thought someone was doing that, but. Okay. I, I I don't know. I I definitely know like the, the the one where like she she breaks so hard that she's on the front wheel and then turns it around and lands mm-hmm. back. I know that's real. Okay. Tell me why the uh, one of the characters was sent to the prison from Black Adam at one point. 
Like, what? Why? Why? Why send them there? Like, um, literally, there's a sequence where she's like such a wanted person that it's this. They're like, it's a United States black site. I'm like, okay, I get it, but it literally looks like something out of a Marvel film. Like, it's insane. The well, because it's, it's a comic book movie. What did you expect? Um, no. Yeah. It, basically, what happens is that uh, Jason Momoa's character somehow, as the explosion is happening, is is able to uh is able to get get disinformation out there or misinformation out there that uh that uh Dom's crew were responsible for the terrorist attack. So, yeah, like in the span of a few minutes the whole world knows who did it and they capture they capture that character and give it to the agency that sends them to the this black site in Antarctica. Yeah. I also want to point out that physics, which I know in many of these movies, physics no, is just no, out the window. Phys- physics went away starting with the fifth one. But like what I noticed is like what really because I haven't watched all of the Fast and the Furious movies, especially the later entries. Um, but one thing I kind of was reminded of in this was, man, it's not physics that happens here. It's replace physics with plot like that's the guiding force and you can see the plot pushing the cars and pushing the causing the explosions in such a literal way but it also like it's you know we call it plot armor and man that's dominic toretto's strength is plot armor nothing can dominic toretto's strength is that he can be both the worst part in the movie and you're still laughing every time he appears on screen yeah, that's a superpower. And why am I saying this, folks? Because, like I said earlier, Vin Diesel cannot get out of his own fucking way. Nope. You know, he refuses af- to. After after the Fast and the Furious and Pitch Black, he kept jumping on to. to, to he wanted to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wanted to be the next. Uh, he he wanted to be the next Bruce Willis. He wanted to be the next action star. Who yeah. who coincidentally in his mind, was also a pretty good actor. So actually, yeah, he wanted to be the next Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, and between 2001 and 2008, that he wasn't tried. happening. He tried, but it wasn't happening. The Chronicles, the, he really tried. He really <laughs> tried. The Chronicles of Riddick was was a bomb. Babylon AD was a bomb. Riddick was a bomb. He tried to do more. Well, no, Riddick, Riddick came... For- came way later oh you're right yeah oh, um riddick riddick came out like the same year as furious seven. Oh yeah you're right and he's still working on more riddick movies so so you know and then he tried to do a bunch of like dramas remember that one drama where he was like a, a lawyer do you remember that i i, I think i blocked that and, one out and like he was he was really trying to get like a, a oscar nomination for that one Right. Anyway, in, oh, in that, Witch Hunter, there was that. No, Witch oh. Hunter also came out like later. Oh, okay. So, but but yeah, after between two thousand one and two thousand eight, he was like trying to be a leading man, trying to take put the Fast Furious franchise behind him. And you know, he realized, oh, I need this franchise because people have missed Dominic Toretto for like up until that point, like like. Uh, oh, I uh, see the timeline you're saying. Okay, yeah, gotcha. they missed him for for six years, five to six years. Uh. So he rejoins the franchise and say what you will about Paul Walker's abilities as an actor. Paul Walker and Vin Diesel together in these movies was magic because, you know, Vin Diesel would Vin Diesel, the natural friendship between these two actors would show up in Vin Diesel where you're like, okay, this is a Dominic 
Dominic Toretto loves this guy. Lo- this is his best friend. It was a joke on on various things that they were secret lovers, like literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, American Dad made a joke about that. Yeah. Um, but the big thing was was that they had chemistry and the stuff they put on screen was working. Unfortunately, when Paul Walker passed, that anchor for for Vin Diesel was no longer there. And he just started mugging Dom as just kind of this this grizzled tough guy who was in his mind in this grand operatic epic. Like like he like he was playing Dom as if Dom was Aragorn from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Actually, you're you're not wrong. And here's the problem with that. There's a lot this of problems is, with that. This is a movie series where <laughs> this is a movie series where uh you cars, use cars jump- to to save other cars from crashing. You, know, you you have cars jumping out of planes, landing in highways and driving and driving to hit a tank while neighboring cars drop from the same feet and are destroyed. You are doing kung fu with cars. This is what this movie series is. Everyone else knows it. Everyone else acts accordingly. Like, okay, a lot of people say like why is it that what Vin Diesel doesn't work? But Jason Statham does the same thing and it works in in the movies he's in. And I'll say this because Jason, Jason Statham is very aware of the movies he's in and adds just enough humor in it that it works. Mm -hmm. Listen, I don't like Paul, Paul Feig, but that movie spy he did with Melissa McCarthy has Jason Statham in it. And the only reason people remember that movie was because Jason Statham was the funniest thing in it. And he never acted, quote unquote, funny. He was still acting his Jason Statham persona, but added just enough self-aware humor to it that Mm. it was the funniest thing in that movie. Jason Statham, when he's in action movies that are campy, adds adds a camp element to his performance that works really well. You also see this in Hobbs and Shaw. When he's in an action movie that's gritty and serious and and like dark, he'll make you fear him like he did in Wrath of Man. Jason Statham knows, you know, Jason Statham doesn't know how to tell a joke, but he knows how to tweak that grizzled tough guy to be funny. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel does not have this ability. Not at all. Vin Diesel acts like he's in an epic, acts so serious that every time he's on screen, you're like, oh my God, this, this guy's trying to do like this grand epic thing. It's not working. It's not working so badly that I'm laughing at him. And I guess if I'm laughing, I'm enjoying myself. And you see this in his subplot. So in this movie, Dom gets separated from the crew. The crew gets separated from Letty. So we're, we got like three and four storylines going on at the same time. His whole shtick is that he's going to try to find Dante in Rio de Janeiro. He's going to go back to Brazil. Everything involving him is terrible unless it's Dante coming in and making fun of Dom. Mm-hmm. that's the only time you're like, oh, okay, this movie's back on track. Why? Because Vin Diesel does not seem to realize that like, no, you're not playing. You're not playing. Um, uh, 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 Hamlet. You're not playing Hamlet. Vin Diesel. Dom should be, you know, Dom shouldn't be a, a, a yucks type of character, a Joker type of character, but kind of realize what movie you're fucking in, dude. Come on. Like you, you, he got the idea that he was in a silly movie when it came to the, the third triple X movie, 
where he's like, I live for this shit. And it was hilarious. Everybody laughed and applauded. The movie wasn't great, but everyone was like, okay, Vin Diesel knows when he's in a silly movie. But for some reason, I guess because of the family aspect, he just refuses to, to, to acknowledge this. I don't know. What, what do you think, C? I think what happens is... So Vin Diesel is... If you put Vin Diesel in the right place... Or in the right, I shouldn't say it like that. In the right film, he his persona can work. I listen. I said I have a weird personal attachment to the first Pitch Black movie. I genuinely think his performance in that first movie, for what it is, which is basically an alien remake of sorts, uh, works. It, okay, it, he okay. Plays just, it just, right. just just a little aside. It's crazy that in all the supporting stuff he did early in his career and in Pitch Black and in The Fast and the Furious, he's super charismatic. But it's really and truly when he does Triple X and forward that he becomes like this very, like, like just kind of, kind of self-serious thing. What do you think? I, I think he... I think he's always been the same. He just didn't change as his movies did. I think he's genuinely... Okay, with the exception of his voice acting, because when he wants to, for very specific types of voice acting roles, he knows how to bring it. He knows... He understands the less is more quality. And I think that's what it is. He's doing the same thing in all his movies. The difference is, when he's good... In his earlier work, when he's good... He was doing less. I'm not talking about less action. I'm talking about he's being more restrained in his performance. But when he becomes less restrained in his performance, he's still doing the same thing. He's just giving more of it. So then the value of what he's giving goes down, if that makes any sense. He's kind of just doing too much of it as, it, as time went on. Um, I think that's simply because he only knows how to play a certain kind of thing, which that's plenty of actors at the end of the day. Um, But when, so you have, you have that issue there where when he's asked to bring more, he just brings more of the same thing. Then you bring in Fast and the Furious, which I think change, as, as I said, he didn't change along with, with it, with any of his movies, but he especially didn't change along with it. And that franchise has kind of changed three times. You have you're the right, first, you're right, yeah. You have the first three, okay, which he's a part of. He's a part of the first one mainly, and barely the third. Um, and then it changes with four, five, uh, and six, and six, basically. But as you've pointed out, he's able to balance that out because you've got Paul Walker there helping him do that. Okay? Seven comes out, and seven works for what it is, of course. Uh, but obviously, Paul Walker sadly passed away. So then the next change happens, and Vin Diesel has lost a friend. And we know Vin Diesel was friends with Paul Walker. They were friends in real life. Like, even after they went their own ways, they stayed buddies, truly. Um, And so, this franchise now represents the loss of a very close friend of him. So, I don't think Vin Diesel is either able or willing to not take this seriously because of that. Because I... 
because he if he doesn't take it seriously, he is not taking the for, the friendship he had with Paul Walker seriously. Oh my God! See, that is such a great insight because I I'm starting to recall that really and truly, after Paul Walker died, Vin Diesel got really really into like like that these movies were like like had a had a higher purpose type deal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. look at his social media and it was always like man this movie you know it means so much is that you're totally right you're totally right this meant something to him and you you know like when someone does something and when they're like really focused on making it great they start fucking up yeah and i yeah that's that's a great insight wow so wow. He, he yeah that's that's truly what i think happened and it's i i i don't it's why yes you're going to laugh of course but it's it's a little sad, I think. And, and you know, I think he under he's in his own way, he's starting to I don't want to go far as to say understand that, but he at least understands that this has to come to a conclusion. You know, I've I talked to you about this earlier, but I we we, we already know there's a part two coming out. And this is regard this isn't a spoiler and, because and, and like you've mentioned, maybe even a part three, which if that happens uh, some some so, exec at Universal needs to be slapped in the face. So what I am suggesting, though, is you're going to get... So here's what I think is going to happen. You're going to get Hobbs and Shaw 2, which ties in to this current X trilogy, let's call it. It's triple X, basically. It's his new triple X. <laughs> yes. So what I'm saying is, so Hobbs and Shaw will be the this giant-ass side plot to the triple X uh, franchise. Um, it may even be Hobbs and Shaw presents Double X or something like that, or Double XL or some weird crap like that. But to it, to signify that it's a part of this final trilogy to end it all. Uh huh. Then you're gonna have Fast and Furious Triple X or something like that, and that's gonna be the final conclusion of all of this. And and it's going to be the actual ending to the Fast and Furious franchise for the next three to five years until they reboot it. Uh, call me a liar. I dare you. Um, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And this is I all truth. A, I have a final prediction as well. So we've now learned, apparently, Dom has had a lot of kids from a lot of different women. Okay? Well, well, okay, okay. He's only had, he only has one kid right now. Well, wait. No, no, no. Hold on. Okay. He, I thought he had two at least. No, he has one. Okay. Okay. I, okay. Your confusion. I probably know why you're confused. Yeah. And this is another, another complaint I have. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's a, listen on, on the list of complaints I have about this movie, it is the lowest one. Okay. It's just super. and, And it just ties into the whole thing of like Vin Diesel cannot get out of his way, but it's just something that I'm like. I'm like, really, Vin? I I guess if you're gonna do this, great. But it just it just. <sighs> so where where's the confusion I'm, I'm having? What is okay, it? Okay, okay, all right. Am I gonna laugh? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're either gonna laugh or you're gonna cringe. Okay. All right. So, um, Vin Diesel is, listen, straight right off the bat, Vin Diesel is like like an, it, it, measurably he he is multiracial. Yes, I believe literally. I believe his I believe his mother is white, but the, the his father who he never met was of of undetermined 
race. Like he was multiracial, but they didn't know like what it was. His father was multiracial. His father was multiracial, right? Yeah. Um, like because he doesn't know, like he has made, he has alleged not super directly, but he has alleged that he believes that there was some bit of, of African in his, in his father. Right. Mm-hmm. And that by extension, there's some bit of African in him. Now we don't know. I don't know if he's ever done a 23 and me who knows, whatever. I'm it sure is what it that's, is. we, he, he, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that, <laughs> Vin Diesel looks Italian. Let's 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 put up. Vin Diesel looks Italian. But but there's this thing that in these Fast and Furious movies, especially since I would say Fast 5, Vin Diesel really really goes out of his way to have Dom coded as some form of Afro-Latino, right? Some form of Afro-Latino. And the the problem is is that Vin Diesel, uh, while he may very well be uh, have some actual like like his father may ha- may be like a black biracial person. We don't know because he doesn't know his dad. The, th- the fact of the matter is Vin Diesel looks like he looks Italian, he looks Mediterranean. At best, he looks Mediterranean. But because he has this weird thing about having Dom coded as Afro Latino, he does these things where like in the previous entry he had his younger version played explicitly by a by a biracial actor a young biracial actor mm-hmm. and you watch it and you're like this this biracial kid rose up to be this guy they don't look nothing alike they they look nothing alike and now here it's expressed because okay so he has a baby in the eighth one he finds out he has a baby a baby with a with a brazilian woman of very explicitly Portuguese descent, right? Mm-hmm. Portuguese descent. Uh, uh, I forget what her name. The character's name is Elena, mm-hmm. um, played by the wife of Chris Hemsworth, who is from Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she she is very clearly Portuguese of Portuguese descent. Like it's very clear. Mm-hmm. So they have a kid. the The kid looks like his mom. Looks like a Iberian little baby, right? And I think where your confusion is coming from Uh-oh. is because now in this movie, the baby somehow grew up from looking Portuguese Iberian, in this case, kind of Caucasian, to now looking very explicitly biracial with like with like uh, Afro Afro Latino biracial. Yeah. So the way you probably saw it is like, oh, he has two different kids. It's like, no, it's the same kid. The kid just magically went from like like a, a Iberian baby to an Afro Latino 10 year old. Oh Jesus. And, I think that's and, where I'm confused. I was confused. Yeah. And here's the, here's the crazy thing. Oh, everybody, everybody, everybody in my theater was like, so how did, who did Dom have that kid with? And I was like, no, that was, that was the woman he had the kid with in the eighth one. And no, the one, you know, he was dating when he thought Letty was dead. And they're like, that kid went from a white baby to a biracial 10 year old. I'm like, I li- listen, man, I don't know what to tell you. I just like, again, Vin Diesel has this weird thing where he wants to code. Like he has this weird thing where, where he wants to code Dom as Afro Latino. That's fine. Whatever. The problem is, is that Jordana Brewster is very much not Afro Latina. She is, uh, she seems to be uh mestiza Latina. Okay, fine. Whatever. And then his dad 
the is like the 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 guy who plays the lead character in the Mayans TV show on FX. Mm-hmm. His dad is played by this actor who's mestizo, uh, Chicano. Okay, we never see his mom, so you know his mom could be whatever. Uh, his brother is literally Nordic white. Yeah. Nordic white. His grandma, his dad's mom, played by played by this very very famous actress. Uh, she was she was in the original. Um, she was she was in she was in the original uh 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 the the, the musical Romeo and Juliet uh West Side Story oh, okay uh what's her face oh yes she's amazing uh, what's her wh- what's the actress's name um, oh my god it's she she plays the lead actress the yeah, leads, um, yeah I know who you're ta- I'm so sorry I know who you're talking about I can't think uh, of her name I, oh god this Rita Moreno. Okay. Rita Moreno is very much uh, uh, what we would call Castiza Latina Puerto Rican, right? Okay, so so has more Iberian features, right? That's his grandma. And then there's Vin Diesel, who, straight, again, looks more Mediterranean than anything else. So he wants to, he wants to code these people a, as Latino. That's fine. That works. But just the inconsistency of it all, you're like, okay, how... How is this woman the mother of this guy? And how is this guy the father of this guy who goes from biracial to Mediterranean to, to this daughter? Okay, the, his daughter looks like him, so that's fine. And then to this other guy who's, who literally looks Scandinavian, looks like a Viking. Hey, you know what? Okay, now I'm more confused, but I understand the confusion. And then there's an implication. There, It is implied... And this oh, is and, a bit and, 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 and again, this is a little minor quibble, just a little, little quibble, but it bugs me. It really does bug me that, okay, you want to code the Toretto's as Latinos? Fine. It's kind of crazy to me that the only person who's ever spoken a word of Spanish in that family is, <laughs> is, is uh, Jordana Brewster's Mia. Vin Diesel, like Dom never speaks a word of Spanish, ever. Ever. Even even when he's talking to Leo Santos, who only speaks Spanish for the most part, Dom always just responds in English. Mm. Like, never spoke a word of Spanish. I know it's a little, little tiny thing, but it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, Vin Diesel, if, if, if you want to code Dom, the Toretto family, because even their last name is more Italian than it is Latin, but if you want to code them as Latinos, at least have them speak Spanish. Like, they don't have to speak full sentences, but come on. Most Latino, Span- most Latino families, especially if they're just second or third generation, they still speak a good amount of Spanish because mm-hmm. they make it a point to say that his grandma came from, uh, from a Caribbean Latin country, mm-hmm. you know? So you're like, okay, so his... He, his dad must have known Spanish in order to speak to his mom, and he must have passed some of it to his children. And then we get that he did pass it to his daughter, but why not to his two sons? Well, one of them, because he's probably he's not really Latino. He's probably adopted or something. Jesus. I don't know. It, it's a little minor quibble, but again, it, go, it goes into that point that... It goes into that point that Vin Diesel can't get out of his way, that it leads to stuff like this where you're like, oh, he has two kids. No, it's the same kid. He just went from from half Portuguese to biracial in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And people were confused because you weren't the f- only person who had that confusion. 
but but again. So okay, okay. So that explains that. Um, never mind what my prediction was going to be, but I still predict. Obviously, they're going to do in five years after the final Fast and Furious movie comes out. Five years later, they're going to reboot it and call it Fast and Furious: The Next Generation. Well, or, I know, don't know. So we know Brian has a kid. Brian oh, yeah, has a so kid. We're, we're, we see him in 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 the the La- in Furious Seven. They're all gonna have kids, and that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, and exactly. Oh, and um, uh, I, uh, the Rock's character has a kid. There you fact, go. We're she's like more... the oldest one. She's like she's like five. There you go. So we're getting okay. more. They're they're gonna form a baby crew. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Um. All right. Goo-goo so family. That, that that's enough about about Vin Diesel. We've said more. Th- oh, there is uh, one other thing. Yeah. Vin Diesel, we get it. You want Dom to have a harem of women. But stop being so blatant about it. There's been too many entries in this goddamn franchise where Vin Diesel is always having women, if not outright fall in love with him, like give him fuck me eyes all the time. But what's funny is he also falls in love with them just the same. And then But he's still loyal to Letty. He's still loyal to Letty. He loves them all, but he's still loyal to Letty. He fucks them all, but he's still loyal to (laughs) Letty. So let's let's wrap our heads around that for a second. So so uh Daniela Mel- Melancourt plays the woman that Vin Diesel sort like sort of falls in love with Dominic in this one. And as as their plot kept progressing, I was it's like It's so funny. It's so I, funny. As their plot kept progressing, I was like, why are you flirting with this woman? You're a married man. And, well, and he it's was like, also flirting with um what's her name? Uh Brie Larson's character. Yeah. Which was I, weird. I, as she's like been shot too. And it's like, yeah. are you flirting with her? Oh my yeah, God. Are, are you being romantic with all these women? And it's like, okay, okay. I get it that, you know, you had like this, this hardcore sexual tension with the character that killed the mother of your child, right? Mm-hmm. You had sexual tension with a girl, with a woman who ended up dating one of your close friends. Sure. Okay. Uh, now, now you have sexual tension with this character who's related to one of your exes. And now you have sexual tension with this character who's trying to help you out. Like, we get it, dude. You want a harem. We get it. But but Michelle Rodriguez will Al, never Al, allow it. Al. Yeah. Fam- family. Ah! Oh, family. oh, God, you're right. I'm trying family. to make a family. It's, it's all okay because family. We've talked so much about Vin Diesel. I know. Listen, um, this okay. is the Vin Diesel episode. Okay, one, this one is thing. This the Vin Diesel train one, episode. One thing I will say. One thing I will say. So I didn't like John Cena in the previous one because I don't think John Cena does serious that well. I think you need a little bit of goofiness in order to work. And in this installment, we get his character Jacob being the 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 signature John Cena goofiness and it worked it really worked and i would say that he for he was like the unexpected heart of this movie like his subplot should have been Vin Diesel's subplot if i'm being honest with you mm-hmm. but you know Vin Diesel wants to be a hero wants to be the revenge hero so they gave us they gave a subplot that should have been him his to uh, John Cena's character and I gotta say he knocked it out of the park because John I'm, we're not gonna go into specifics but let's just say John Cena is one of those actors who works really really well with children. Oh, he always has. Well, I think because you know the 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 thing he started out doing has a lot of children as the fan base. Oh so yeah. He under- oh yeah. He understands. In fact, I think a lot of so we all know John Cena is part of the WWE. 
um, I think they're actually taught even like how to not, I don't want to say interact with kids. Everyone is, but there, there is like certain things they're taught to do to make sure that there, there is a kid friendly element to what they're doing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say that, uh, I, I gotta say as I was watching this movie and all the John Cena stuff kept happening, I was like, you know, I'm, I was kind of iffy on him coming back. But I feel like this is kind of how he wanted to play the character if he had the choice. Because in the first one, he's the bad guy. So he's got to be mean. But in this one, it's like, okay, you get to see the side of it. And it, it got to the point that I'm like, you know, I feel like if Vin Diesel had a little bit of this, like, silliness. Not too much, but a little bit of this, of, of kind of the silliness. Like, like just to be, like, because when he's chill. Vin, I'm sorry, you want to see Vin Diesel try to be silly? Watch the pacifier. It doesn't work. Okay, okay. Not silly, but... You want him to at least have this level of chill that's like, you know, a little fun. Because when he's chill, he's just kind of, he always has to be cool. And sometimes it's it's okay to be a little fun, especially in a movie like this. Um, the rest of the cast, I mean, they do what they're supposed to do. Uh, I mean, listen, if you like Tyrese starting in the second one, you're going to like him here. If you liked, uh, if you liked uh, Ludacris starting it from the fifth one, because trust me, Ludacris from the second one, is totally different from Ludacris from the fifth one onwards. I know, because that's in the so fifth, funny. Because in the fifth one onwards, he's a tech whiz. For, so, so, for reasons. For reasons. So <laughs> if you like Ludacris from the from the fifth one onwards, you're, he, he's fine here. Um, Natalie Emmanuel from the eighth one? Yeah, from the eighth one onwards is... Was she in the eighth or... Was she in the seventh one? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I have no Where, idea. Wherever one she was in, she's, she's the same here. They all blend um, together for me. Michelle Rodriguez is Michelle Rodriguez. She has a subplot that is unresolved because here's the thing, folks. Fast X is more Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one versus <laughs> Infinity War. Because you, know, you know how Infinity War had an end? Yeah. It, it was a cliffhanger, but it had an end. Yeah. Whereas Deathly Hallows Part One was like it just stopped. Well, because it was um, the middle of a book. Yeah. Exactly. This is kind of what this feels like. So, so everything involving Michelle Rodriguez will not be satisfying for anyone. Like, no. like, like they they ended in something where you're like, okay, she's gonna be, she's not gonna be in danger, but you're still like, okay. Um, I just love that Fast and the Furious has this thing where they must all of the villains who are alive must become their friends and family. It's, yeah, it's, it's, and, and, which and, to be clear, because it's a cliffhanger, we don't see that with um, Jason Momoa's character, and I so, don't think we will. But some, something I do want to say is that Brie Larson, Alan Richardson, and Danielle Melancore, uh, they're they're fine additions. They're they're not out of this world, and you're just happy. Like like Brie Larson, I'm glad is at least doing something that isn't as cringy as Captain Marvel. Danielle Melancor is a beautiful woman, so I like seeing beautiful women. And Alan Richson is, like, I've had a soft spot for him since he was Thad Castle. So I'm glad he's, like, in something super, a super A-list because his last foray into blockbuster filmmaking was The Ninja Turtles, where he was Raphael. Mm. But I, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's in something like I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm glad he's in something a bit more highbrow than Ninja Turtles. Hey, is, <laughs> is it, though? I mean, it uh, is kind of sure. Um, well, is there an, is there anything you want to add, C? Like the last thing I'll add will be with my rating. I think. Okay, one thing I'll I'll add before my rating is that um, I 
I I hope it doesn't sound like I'm hating on this movie because I actually did have a fun time. But I do think these movies could reach the heights of the fifth one, the fifth and sixth ones, like they were if if there were just like these little tweaks here and there. It's all all my complaints are just with Vin Diesel, really, truly. Everything else is fine. Vin Diesel and the fact that there are no more practical stunts. I wish there mm-hmm. were. So, um, okay, you give your rating. I give this a furious meh. Like it it knows what it is. I'll put it this way. When I was in the theater, I was sitting next to a person who acted like she'd never been to a theater before, literally answered her cell phone multiple times, talked, reacted to what characters were saying and doing in the moment loudly, and I could have cared less because I was not invested. I'll acknowledge it. But I I can't say it sucks because I knew what it was going in, and as Al has pointed out, Jason Momoa knows what this needs to be and delivers tenfold. Um, but this isn't something I'm going to watch again, if I'll be honest. You know, I don't think this is something most people watch more than once, as far as I know. Um, but I'm very curious, you know, to see how how you know what I'm specifically curious about. How many more movies are they going to turn this into? Is it two? Is it three? Is it a Hobbs and Shaw sequel and then? A conclusion to Fast X. How are they going to do this? We'll find out. I'm pretty much right there with you. This to me is a... Is... This sounds so weird. This is to me a fun meh. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I had fun. I, I really did have fun with the with the outrageousness, the silliness of it all. Just the over-the-topness. It, it really is so over-the-top. Like, it, it beats you in the head with it. And honestly... Jason Momoa is so much fun in this that I was like, I, I didn't get out of my seat just because I, I didn't want to miss a Jason Momoa scene. Oh, I that, agree. That was, that was the reasoning I stayed. That, that being said, that being said, like outside of the, outside of the supporting cast doing like what's expected and uh, John Cena able to add his trademark, like silliness to the, to the role of Jacob. I got to say like, Listen, if you're going to make me watch crazy visual effects, at least have them be like top of the line, like like the best of the best. Like sometimes the CGI looked really cheap. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that was I don't know if that was a uh, consequence of Louis Leterrier taking over for Justin Lin, because here's the thing. He came in in the middle of shooting. The, the, the storyboards have been made. The shot list has been created. We just need a director. So you're pretty much executing someone else's vision because Justin Lin did all the pre-production. You're not making your own movie at that point. That's going to come That's gonna come with like some some growing pains. Some and concessions. And concessions and stuff that doesn't work, stuff that doesn't fit your vision. And what makes it worse is that when you're cutting it all together, you're cutting it among – like you're cutting it to your creative impulses, your creative outlook. So mm-hmm. it's going to look weird. It's going to look awkward. And there were a lot of cuts. There were a lot of like edits and the way things were edited together that were really awkward where I was like, there would be these crazy swoops and the swoops would just cut at the weirdest moments. And I'm like, okay, uh, Justin Lin probably, probably made the shot list and Louis Leterrier had to follow it because he had no time to do his own thing. And then, but he's the one who has to cut it together and he's not Justin Lin. So he's going to cut it the way he thinks it works, and it just looks awkward. 
Um, and to me, that along with like some effects just look really cheap. Like like the smoke after the explosion in the Vatican looked super fake. Mm-hmm. Looked really really fake. And I just kept thinking to myself like you know they may they they want me to watch this they. There's a scene in the in the in the climax that involves a lot of fireballs and all the fireballs looked fake. And that that kind of annoyed me because I'm like, okay, I expect this from a from a Marvel movie that is fucking over visual effects artists. Come on, Universal, try to do better. Or did all your visual effects money go to like Barbie or something? No. Are they doing Barbie? No, they're not doing Barbie. No, I don't think they're doing it. Uh, No. Uh, they're doing Oppenheimer, but Nolan never uses visual effects, so or never yeah, uses CGI, so he is. He and uses CGI as a as a minor uh, tint. Literally, at best. literally just to erase like like uh, safety harnesses, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's all he does. Um, and outside of that, Vin Diesel. Every time he was on screen, I was laughing in his scenes, not for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be the movie where people are like, "Okay, Dom, just just get with the program. This is not the Lord of the Rings. This is Fast and Furious." be silly or, or try to be a little silly. You know, this, this isn't working. Like Jason Statham knows how to be a little silly in this. You can do the same thing. Um, but I can't deny that when, when I was able to ignore the quality of the effects, the, the set pieces were crazy and, you know, um, you, you can have a fun time with this. No, absolutely. I, I actually, I agree with you on that. Like you will not, you, you will enjoy yourself one way or another. The movie will make you enjoy yourself in some, in some but, way or another. But the quality of the filmmaking is not great. No. It's, it's meh. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a meh quality of filmmaking. We, so. we've seen better recently and that's all I'll say. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we've gone over the, we've been, we've gone a bit too long, so I'm just going to say, okay. we had to explain the entire franchise, which exactly that's, that's an endeavor onto itself. Exactly. That is it. But we'll never explain it again. So don't expect, don't expect, uh, another recap when we review fast 11 or whatever the fuck it's called. Triple X. Uh, you know, it's going to be there. Anyway, you know it. anyway, this has been, what do you think? I'm Al and I'm exhausted. No, I'm C. Good night, everybody. I'm going to have a Corona. (laughs) 